Thursday or Wednesday night we came in and we're refreshed. We're ready to go back, you know, and, and uh, you know, we were at Connie and Mark's house and they have a huge pool and the sun came out and heated the pool for us. Uh, and so, but it heated our bed as well. And so it was really hot in there. But anyways, uh, uh, you know, and, and it was, we were so refreshed just to kick it by the pool and then do all kinds of activity. Uh, and uh, through the rock, of course, Pastor Ross's generosity towards us and uh, taking care of us. Thank you. Thank you, brother. For your, and thank you all for your prayers and your support. Um, we're really blessed beyond measure by you guys. And, uh, you, you know, if I had more time, I would tell you all the stories. Uh, you've rescued us a few times and and uh, you just um, uh, have been such a blessing to us. So my family up there, Brianna and my wife, my wife's gonna share in just a moment, but little Brianna, just an all-star, travels well, and uh, she's our greatest platform to preach Jesus. Everybody walks up to her, we just give them a track. You know, that's just like, <laughs> it's like being at the zoo, you know. You just, <laughs> anyways, uh, we, we work in that 1040 window, uh, where there's very little money going into this place and uh, very, uh, very few missionaries go into this area. Uh, it's hostile. Uh, m- the majority of the people, it's in the 80, 90% range where they've never heard the name of Jesus. Uh, if, if, you know, if we would have known that before we went into there, we, we wouldn't have gone. But because, you know, because of short-term missions, we fell in love with these places. And so we started working in this area and God has just increased uh, you know, God, of course, God goes before us and it's such a fruitful ministry now and uh, we'll tell you more about it. Um, but uh, it's, it's an amazing place and, and we work in uh, different areas. Of course, we'll start with India, 1.2 billion. I think it's even more than that. I mean, overnight, you know, they keep increasing. And so, uh, so 1.2 billion people on planet Earth, you know, um, I should say on India, but uh, and 88% of them have never heard the name of Jesus, not even once. Uh, that was the, the, the factor that really caused my wife and I to say, all right, we'll leave our ministry in, in San Diego and we'll go out there because we need to tell them about Jesus. And our text this morning is going to be in Luke 15 and you're going to see the love of God is for the lost. Uh, and so uh, we fit right in that category as we're missionaries to that area. And so home to some of the poorest areas, uh, but God is doing an amazing work there uh, through our lives and through our church here at The Rock. And so the next area we go to is Nepal. Nepal uh, has over 300 million gods. Everything's a god, you know, every insect, rocks, um, the water, uh, depending on what uh, occurred to someone in a negative sense, uh, they begin to cry out to that image. Uh, if they were, they lost someone in drowning, they would cry out to that god of water. Or if they were bitten by a, a snake, and so they would cry out to that god, and they would offer them some kind of uh, offering or some physical thing that they would do for that god. And they live under this prison, under these gods. And so we come and give them Jesus Christ and Him crucified, and He sets them free of all that. And so it's what a great pr- privilege it is for us to do that in Nepal. And then we go to northern Uganda. You know, Uganda is 72% Christianized, uh, but where we work is in the north, and that's 95% Muslims. Um, we have a hospital there, so that allows us to get into that area. Uh, and the same people that say, kill them, kill the, the whites, kill the Americans, kill the infidels, are the same people that say, help us, I'm having a heart attack. And we're like, oh, we're gonna pray in the name of Jesus, please, you know, and so we're like, all right, man. We, you know, uh, a great work. A lot of Muslims are coming to know Jesus. And it's one of the hostile Muslim areas in, in, in that region there on the eastern uh, area, East Africa. And so, but we're having a great work there. A lot of fun. You, a lot of you guys went out there with us. 
in, in there in Uganda. And uh, the, the, one of the things we love to do is preach the gospel. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Uh, the gospel is the power of God to salvation. And so that's one of our favorite things. All these pictures always have amazing stories of God's wonderful grace uh, and setting up something to, to preach the gospel. Then we disciple. Uh, we love discipling them. That was our goal, was to go out, win people, Lord, and disciple them. Uh, and so we, we train them through God's word and we ready them for whatever God wants to do through their life. And now this has led to Bible colleges now. And so this one is, this, these, this picture is of India. Uh, we have one Bible college that's far north as you can get. Um, you know, by, by chance, I say by chance, but it's by God. God ordained one time that the pastors of this church would be in the very area that we worked and we didn't even know each other. They were in Missouri, you know, Pastor Carlin was having, because of altitude, he was having altitude sickness, you know, and they had to get him down off the mountain and all kinds of cool stories like that, you know. <laughs> Pastor Adam, you know, he's sharing at the mall and, and they, they ask, they give him a guitar. They go, can you sing? He says, yeah, and he sings up there in some contest at the mall in Derridoon. And we're like, what? That's our area, you know? And we didn't even know that uh, they were there. But anyways, uh, and so now we're working at, in the central, right in the middle there in the state called Chattisgarh. And then far down, as you can go by Sri Lanka, we have uh, a work there, a Bible college in uh, Kerala. Um, very hostile towards Jesus Christ, very hostile towards Christianity, but God has given us favor. And everywhere we go, we see people come to the kingdom of God, and everywhere we go, they're allowing us to stay without that persecution. Now, everybody's getting it. So our time is, is coming. It's just the Lord has put us in a bubble and we have so much freedom. And so let's take advantage of that, right? Let's take advantage of that. And so I'm raising all these pastors and all these leaders all over the place uh, and taking advantage of that because one day we will get kicked out, but they will continue the work uh, and they're the locals. And so this is the, the, the third semester students uh, there in Kerala. Um, we've been talking to uh, Pastor Ross. We want him to get over there uh, and, and share with these guys as well. He's an amazing teacher and, and uh, of course, uh, fearful of cobras, but I told him we got them all taken care of. Come on over. They're, they're, I haven't seen one in about three weeks. Uh, and so we're not. <laughs> in Nepal, we have um, a Bible college there as well. Uh, we just moved into this facility um, we had, grown, we had grown out of the, a smaller place that we had. And so it was a step of faith. Now, it's interesting. This is a five-story building. And the owner said that we'll give it to you for $900 a month. And I'm like, what? A five-story building for $900 a month? We'll take it, right? But we didn't have the money, but, you know, we were going to go for it. You know, somehow or some way, you know, we just figured we have Pastor Ross. We, we just call him up, you know. Hey. But, but God worked it all out, you know. <laughs> Amen. Uh, uh. So, you know, we, you know, someone provided for bunk beds and all the, you know, all the stuff we needed. And, and so when, when, you know, hopefully when you guys come down, you can paint the building. Yeah. <laughs> These are the students there. Uh, we have a lot of students from all over Nepal. They come there, they learn the word of God, and, and then they go back to their village with a hunger to start a church plant. And that's our, 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 that's our desire is that they would start a church plant. I'm going to ask my wife to come up here and share. <laughs> Thank you. Good morning. So last year when we were here, um, we were preparing to head to Uganda and 10 uh, faithful members of The Rock came and answered that call to go to Africa with us. And so this is the team from The Rock that joined us. Of course, in the back, you can see Nine Square, which um, has changed to Mitigo. And now, um, <laughs> you know, Nine Square has been introduced into Northern Uganda and uh, they're still going strong at that. But um, this was the team. There was um, an opportunity to do a vacation Bible school. So sometimes, you know, we, ha we come up with these ideas, like what would it be like to do a vacation Bible school and just invite every kid in the community? I've only ever been able to invite like maybe 100 or 200 kids. And um, the nationals that we were working with said, Heather, we've never been able to invite every kid in the school in the, in the neighborhood. And I said, well, how many kids is that? And they said, 500. And I said, well, uh, I think I only told The Rock 200, but 
I know The Rock, it's kind of like go big or go home. So if anyone <laughs> is going to do that, it's going to be The Rock. So we did a vacation Bible school um, and 500 kids came. Half of them were Muslim. And uh, so my daughter got to go to vacation Bible school for the first time as well. You can see her there. Um, and uh, Rosemary and, and Shelly and some of the other teachers that came were able to just teach them. And um, we had games and the gospel went forth and the rock. Um, you guys provided snacks for every kid and a soda. I mean, that is like unheard of for these kids. Um, so just a really awesome time where we were able to reach out to the community. And then we did house visits. So I took the ladies and we went house to house. This is Beatrice. Um, there were a lot of materials that were brought over um, for sewing. And so she had graduated from a tailoring school. And um, this is actually her, a picture of her family. Uh, and none of those children are hers. So she was sharing with us that um, she had taken in all of these nieces and nephews and um, kind of some, adopted some kids in the community, but really desired to have a child of her own. So the Rock um, women were able to provide all of these sewing um, supplies and help her to start her own business to be able to support her family. And then we were able to pray over her. You know, all the ladies, we just gathered around and, you know, she was like, you know, people come, but I can't believe you're in my home, you know. So it was just a really sweet time to just minister to the ladies. They gave us many gifts for you all. Um, the gifts were chickens. And um, so instead of bringing them back and giving them to you for all of the blessings that all of you sent, we just ate them on your behalf. <laughs> so with the team from The Rock. Uh, we were able to visit the refugee uh, camp. There is a camp that has 250,000 South Sudanese in um, a refugee camp. And so when Pastor Adam had come with Katie the year before, it was on our hearts to be able to reach out. And several Calvary chapels have been planted in that refugee camp. And uh, this is the one that we focused on with The Rock. So Moses made an appearance in the yeah, refugee Moses. camp. <laughs> Moses from uh, Santa Rosa. And... Uh, and so it was a really amazing time because, um, you know, many of you lost your homes in the fires and um, Tony and Jean were there. And so they shared their testimony of, you know, and that they could relate in that in, in some sense where all of these refugees have left everything. They only could take what, what was able to be carried on their back. They lost their homes, some of them loved ones. And so it was just awesome to see how, you know, what this community has gone through was able to be used in that community um, to bring glory to God. And Pastor Adam, of course, was hearing all the needs as he was there on the ground and was able to come back and be that mouthpiece um, to share. One of the needs was there was no running water um, in the hospital that services hundreds and hundreds of patients every day or the church um, compound and also the school. And so um, as we worked together and put together a proposal of what that would look like and what that would take, um, The Rock answered that and met that need. And so we just wanna say thank you. Um, they wanna say thank you. And they would do a, a really amazing African dance that I'm gonna spare you from. But, <laughs> uh, and so, you know, there you see, like they're doing surgery and they can wash, you know, their hands and the scalpels and, you know, all of the equipment. And so, so these are some of the, the faces of the pictures that we um, were able to, to, to bring back to you guys to say these are the people that at Calvary Chapel Mitigo that are blessed to have, you know, actual running water, but as a platform to be able to share about the living water, right? And so as Pastor Adam shared, we got connected originally because um, a student was interested in coming to study the Bible in Nepal and be trained for the ministry. And so after two years of being supported, as um, The Rock sends people to Marietta, The Rock also sends people to Nepal. Um, and so this is Magia and his family, and his wife's name is Sarita. He counted the cost and he left his village for two years to come and get training. And so this was in November, he graduated. Uh, his wife came to the city for the first time ever, you know, like on a bus, we're talking 10 to 12 hours, had never left a five mile radius of her house. And so she came with her kids to the graduation and just like The Rock blesses us, and just hosts us and gives us amazing time as a family. We were able to do that for them. Um, and so he went back and he started a Bible study. He started a Bible study in about, it was about eight miles away from where he's currently living. And so this is now blossomed into a church. This is, I feel like, the rock church in Nepal. So, so these sweet people are studying the Bible. There's no gospel witness besides Mashia and his family. And so, um, you know, they're just going for it. We got to meet up with them in, in March. 
and he's sharing his story with us and how he's kind of been trying to work on the side and support his family and he's you know driving eight eight miles each way with a bicycle and you know we're kind of like perplexed and he's like well this is what you told me to do right like to go start a bible study and um, sometimes it takes a long time because the gar- the ground is is hard but in his area you know he's just been faithful and god's been blessing and bringing people to christ in that area as he teaches and so these are some of the pastors that The Rock has gotten behind and is supporting, either fully or partially. Um, there's Anin and his family, the Chowdhury family in Nepal, um, Magia and his family in Nepal, and Pastor Barkash and his family. And then we have some singles too, so if you ladies are um, interested, <laughs> you can meet with me at the table in the lobby. So Pastor John Edwards is pastoring Calvary Chapel Hyderabad. He came and studied with us in Nepal and went back and planted a church in India. Um, Lucas and his family, and then Rohith is single, and he's in the uh, coral-colored shirt. He's working with us at the Bible College as well, um, raising up those who are going to be sent out. So we have prayer cards for each of these um, young guys. If you don't have a son, maybe you don't have a son, but you want to adopt one, you can come and get their prayer cards. Just adopt them. Make them part of your family. Start praying for them. Um, You know, we can get you signed up to get their updates as well. That would be an awesome blessing, just as you've adopted us. This is some of the churches that The Rock is supporting. Um, This is Calvary Chapel Naku in um, Nepal. Pastor Anin um, started a new church about a year ago in his home, and that has moved into and out a fully um, redone sanctuary just a few months ago that got redone. And this is Pastor John Edwards' church in Hyderabad. And so The Rock is here. Right? But we know that the body of Christ is not a building. And so we like to say the rock is also in Nepal and is also in India and is also with us. So we're just so grateful for all that you guys do around the world and partnering together with us. Can you, can you share that? Thank you. Uh-huh. Share that story about Magia's work. Yeah. Okay. So Magia, um, one, one quick story. When he was meeting with us, you know, we, I was asking, I like to ask a lot of questions. I'm kind of the mom of the, uh, so how are you paying for your kids' school fees? And how are you, how does your family get to church? And he's describing, like, I send my family on a bus on, on Friday night in order to make it there because I ride my bicycle. And so they take the bus the night before and stay in the village. And then I come the next day because I have to work. And so he's working. So how many hours do you work in a day? Sometimes 10 to 12 hours a day in an oil plant. And how much money are you making? So 750 rupees a day. And I said, so that's about the equivalent of seven US dollars. So he says, I have to work as much as I can. So sometimes six days a week. And then I said, so then you're still going to preach on, on the church day of Saturday. Yes. And he says, because sometimes the plant will close and then I don't have any work. And so it's just a real problem. I have to kind of, you know, like manage the time and it's really hard. I'm like, when do you study? He's like, well, I study in the middle of the night, you know, and and I'm just like, you know, we're just, you know, sitting there dumbfounded. And that's when he said, well, that's what you told me to do, right? You know, (laughs) so his family is just a sweet blessing. We're just excited to be a part of their family as well. And um, this is, sorry, I'm flipped too far ahead. These are the, the two of the other graduates from the most recent class in November. Um, the one on the right, his name is Raju, and then the other one is Robbie. Um, Raju is planted a church, we call it in the clouds. It's higher than the clouds. So if you talk about unreached people groups, um, it's a 10-hour bus ride from the city and a six to seven-hour hike straight up. So if you are a trekker and you want to go on a, a trip, we would love to have someone, because we're really out of shape, that would want to go and visit that church. Um, so some of you dads who have that on your bucket list, you know, you're welcome to come and to, to spy it out, spy out the land for us. So thanks for having us. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, you know, our mission organization, uh, Saving Grace World Mission, asked us to um, outline all the church plants we, uh, that we started. Now, the funny thing is about it, we didn't even know. We, you, know we, you know, that's our claim to fame. We don't know what we're doing. We just, you know, and, and I'm like, church plants? And they're like, yeah, you guys started a bunch of church plants. Map them out. I'm like, okay. So we just started, and then we started counting them and putting them in their places. Like if you spread out the map, it goes exactly to the, to the exact city that there, there was 34 church plants that we started in the last seven years. Yeah, many of them are with you guys. Yeah. That's, that's the glory of the Lord right there, right? He can use foolish things, you know, hee-haw, you know, and 
donkeys. And, and, uh, and the thing about it is it's quite funny because we, we just thought, we'll just go out and disciple and I mean, win them to the Lord, disciple them. And then all of a sudden these Bible colleges come, come about and all of a sudden church planning and someone has to go and take care of the churches and some have to have brand new facilities and motorcycles. And we're like, okay, we're, we're out of it, man. We're, we don't even know what's going on anymore. You know, we're, we're out of our, our comfort zone. And, and so, but you know, we just pray that God would send people like yourselves to help. And Pastor Ross has done a great job with the church here and all you guys, they support us. Of course, Pastor Ross and, and you guys support us uh, generously. Uh, you support a lot of these pastors, but if you want to um, partner with them, you know, uh, yourselves, there's a lot of cards back there. You can grab them and partner them. There's some financial slips as well. Um, and so for the glory of God, right? We are reaching the unreached people group together. We are impacting the world. You guys and us are impacting the world for Jesus Christ. Amen. Great honor. Thank you. Yeah. Glory to God. Thank you. All right. If you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 15, Luke chapter 15. You know, uh, uh, when my wife sent dates out to Pastor Ross and the team here to uh, that uh, what date would work out for us to uh, to be able to come out here and share with you guys the great works of God. You know, my my wife put Father's Day dates on there, and and I said, why did you do that? You know, Father's Day is a hard day to teach, and she's like, you know, you got guests. You gotta prepare a Father's Day sermon. It's not your regular, your text. And she saw, says, I didn't think they would choose that date. And I'm like, oh, you know, and I'm like, no. So I'm like, you know, and I'm just praying, God, give me a word for the, you know, for Father's Day that would cover everyone, right? Because there's, you know, there's daughters as well. And there's, why, I mean, the whole thing, you know, and then I was like, Lord, I don't know if I can do it again. Because this is the second time, you know, the first time Ross did that to me was a couple of years ago. Thank you for the fishing pole that you gave me that time. You know, that was awesome. I used it there uh, in uh, the, the sea, uh, the Arabian Sea. I, I caught fish, but, you know. <laughs> I caught, my wife says, why did you bring the fish home? I fed them to the cat. Why? I'm like, <laughs> you know, not great. You know, I'm fishers of men, not fishers of fish. I mean, let's put it where it is, you know. And so, then the Lord gave me this, this topic. It's the prodigal son. Uh, and you, you guys, a lot of you are familiar with this topic. Uh, and, and, you know, I have to tell you, the, the, when I first gave my life to Jesus, I read that text, you know, a few months into my reading. And I read that text, the prodigal son, and I fell to my knees knowing that that's what God the Father did for me. And I remember that day like it is, like if it was today. Because I, I saw what he, you know, I read what he did for me. His love was so deep and gracious and forgiven that he reached down and saved a sinner like myself who came to Jesus later on in life. You know, I, I experienced the world and all that it has. You know, and, and God saved me and I read that and I fell on my face and I just said, Lord, here I am. Thank you for saving me, but my life for your life. You know, I'll give you everything. And, I, and, and it still rings in my soul this very moment. And I, you know, and I asked the Lord, Lord, it would be great if I could teach on this. And the Lord started putting this, this text together, uh, the prodigal son. What I really want to focus in is, is the father. You know, a lot of times we, we focus on the, on the son, the second son, but on the father. And, and that's one of the... Uh, so I, I, during Father's Day, that's what I want to share about. Amen. So let's get started. But the, to, to know the, 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 the whole uh, reason for the prodigal son, you have to start in verse 1. Chapter uh, one, uh, Luke 15, verse 1. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning, Lord. We thank you that, uh, that you came and rescued us, Lord, that you found us in our prodigal living so far from you and many here, Lord, the same, the same manner. You came to us. You rescued us. And now we have this amazing relationship with you. 
and we're growing in love with you more and more. But I pray for those that don't know you this morning, Lord, that this morning that your love, Lord, would be seen more clear than any time in their lives, Lord. I pray that you would operate in, a, in our beings, Lord, our soul, where our real life is found, and then operate there and do that amazing work that you're so good at doing. I pray this morning as we celebrate Father's Day, Lord, that we can see how the true father responded towards his son, that we can see and examine our own lives, Lord, and see where, where we're erring or where we need to get better at. So I pray that you would speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So we see Jesus here. Uh, of course, he's eating uh, a supper with the tax collectors and the sinners and these religious leaders, these Pharisees, they see it and they begin to say these words, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now, of course, this is the, the, the great commission that God the Father gave to Jesus the Son. Go and save the lost. And that's what he's doing. And, and, and so these these next parables, the parable is a simple uh, spiritual truth from a real life story that has this amazing truth that's gonna penetrate our hearts if we get it. And that's the problem. These Pharisees sometimes don't get it. Religious people sometimes don't get it. So Jesus will go back to back to back stories to illustrate God's love for the lost. Of course here, we, we must concede, however, that the Pharisees and the scribes have a point, right? Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Wise parents encourage their children to seek out wholesome friends. You know, little Brianna, I, I, you know, when, when she was first born and could walk around, we had these, these two little Nepali boys on our campus, and they are rough. I mean, they, they are, they, you know, they chase snakes. They, you know, they, they go after the wild cats. And I mean, they do the wildest thing, grab the spider. And I'm like, don't learn that from them. Don't chase, don't, 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 don't you know. And, and, I, and I pray and I go, Lord, can you send some little beautiful little girls so that my, my little daughter can learn from them, you know. You know and, and when visitors would come, I would say, oh, you, you need to hug my daughter so they can, she can see what a real woman is, you know. And I, you know, I, I want that wholesomeness, you know. But, you know, she gets to both parts of the world now, you know, and so the roughness of uh, where we live, as well as the beauty of some of you ladies and children that you have, it's, it's quite amazing to see Brianna. But I want that wholesome, you know, children around my little daughter. But here Jesus is on the table and he's eating with them. He's fellowshipping with them. And this implies acceptance. And Jesus could leave the wrong impression by eating with tax collectors and sinners. In fact, Paul advises, he says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what fellowship have righteousness and iniquity or what fellowship has light with darkness. So there is tension here for sure that we must honor. If this is the only story about good Jesus versus bad Pharisees, it loses force. It is instead a story about, a, about religious men, pillars of the community, whose preoccupation with ritual observa observance has blinded them to their own sin. It is a story about men whose concern for God's law has caused them to forget God's love for sinners. And Jesus calls them and us to love sinners while hating sin. Sometimes I think that we have to ask ourselves this very question, you know? You know, a lot of people are asking the opposite question. They're always asking, How, what can I do in the world, you know, and still be a Christian? No, 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 no. What can I do to be as far away as the world and all those things of the world and still be effective to save sinners? Amen. We got it twisted around in the Christian church. It's very important that we get that concept right. We shouldn't be partaking with the sinners, but saving the sinners. You know, uh, my father-in-law was, he, he was a wise man and uh, I had to out trick him, you know. I, so what I did with him is that he would invite me 
all over the place. He was a sinner of sinners and tried to invite me to all these crazy places. And I'm like, oh, I can't do that. I can't go. I make up all kinds of excuses. But then I would invite him to all the places where I'm sharing the gospel, you know, all the places where, you know, there's light, you know, about Christian living. And, and so, but he didn't realize what I was doing to him. And, and until I shared this story with him about, you know, this is how you get those guys. His name was Buddy. This is how you get those sinners, bud. And I shared him what I did. He goes, that's what you did to me, you <laughs> rascal. You know, and I, you know, I want to be effectual, but I still want to be separated from all the, the garbage that the world offers. Not that all of it is bad, but sure is enticing. And so, uh, so I, you know, he gave his life to Jesus, you know, in his latter years. Uh, I think it was about four or five years after he gave his life to Jesus, he went home to be with the Lord. But uh, he was zealous. He did so many great things for the kingdom of God. But surely there's tension there. Jesus calls them and us to love sinners while hating sin. He challenges them and us to hope for repentance. He calls them and us to celebrate the redemption of every one, every one of those sinners. So then Jesus told three parables back to back. He spoke of a shepherd searching for a lost sheep, a woman searching for a lost coin, and finally a father's love for his children. Jesus was talking to tax collectors and the identified sinners, but he also knew that the religious folks were listening and Jesus is gonna get them. And so we're gonna just uh, look at these parables, but I want you to see a couple of things in these parables. Notice, just notice how it goes from one to 100. 100 sheep, one is lost, God goes after the one. And then the 10 coins, right? 10 coins, one is lost, leave the nine to go after the one. And then one-on-one, right? The two sons, one goes and God goes after. What he's making clear, what Jesus is making clear in these parables is that he, he wants to get everyone. Amen. And he goes after everyone. At some point in your life, he came to you. He illuminated your soul. And you can see him for the very first time. The gospel message is presented. And now the illumination takes place in your soul and you're looking at God and saying, okay, God, this is the moment. I can accept you or reject you. That's what God's doing. And he may be doing that to some of you this morning. But let's look at the parable, the parable of the lost sheep, verse three. Then Jesus told them this parable Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulder and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and say, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do, uh, who do not need to repent. And so this great uh, parable, and Jesus makes it clear, it's not about sheep, it's about people. Listen to the next one, the parable of the lost coin. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one, doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and say, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin in the same way I tell you there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So we see the progression through these three parables from the relationship of the one in a hundred to one in 10, to one-on-one, -on -one, demonstrating God's love for each individual and his personal attentiveness towards all humanity. We see in this story the graciousness of our Father overshadowing the sinfulness of the Son, as it is the, the memory of the Father's goodness that brings the prodigal son to repentance. And this morning, I want to really focus in on the prodigal son. This is the one that the Lord had, has, has given me to share with you this morning. And, and it really sheds some light to God's love. You know, we, we, sometimes we have a, um, a warped understanding of God. Oh, this bad thing has happened to us, so thus God doesn't exist or God hates us, right? We have this horrible idea of God. 
You know, uh, my, my, my brother, he travels around uh, the, the U.S. and talks about um, the truth. Let's talk about truth. Let's talk about science. Let's talk about, uh, the, the, let's talk about God. And he says, the problem with you guys is you make these brilliant arguments, talking to atheists, you know, making these brilliant arguments about your beliefs. But you, have you ever put it on a scale and try to weigh it all out? You'll find the existence of God once you really truly take off the blinders and put it on a scale. And that's what he does. He brings the scale. And he says, you, you have these truths, but you don't have no beginning of these truths. We have the beginning of these truths. And it's brilliant. And, and so he, he loves doing that, you know, to reach a sinner, to reach a lost one. And I love it. But sometimes these guys, they blame God for all kinds of circumstances and situations. Well, my father or my sister or my, you know, this happened and God, there's no God, you know, and, the, you know, and, and, and so my brother does a good job at presenting that. But here in our story, God's going to show us a different side of him, I think, than, than, than that you've experienced. Verse 11, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons the younger one said to his father, Father, give me uh, my share of the estate. So he divided the property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to the citizens of that country, who sent him to his field to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Jesus paints a picture of the worst circumstance of all. A son who has turned his back on his father, and in this parable, we are the son, and we have rebelled against God, who is the father. For most of us, this speaks of our past, or who we used to be. But for some maybe here today in the audience, it may be uh, that you're hearing this for the very first time. That God who is gracious and loving and kind is gonna chase down this prodigal, this prodigal son who has really looked at his dad and said, dad, I wish you were dead, give me your inheritance. Really, it's just a, you can imagine the audience. You know, you have the, the sinners there, the harlots, the tax collectors. You have the religious people and they gasp. <gasps> what? Asking for your father's inheritance? That's, that's, that's a way of saying, I wish you were dead, dad. And he goes on and, and he takes the money and all that he has and he goes to a far country almost to say to dad, you know, I want nothing to do with you. I don't want to be ruled by you. I don't want to hear anything that you have to say anymore. I'm done. You know, I, when, when, I, when the psychologist reads this, oh man, they give you a lot of information. You know, I look at the father and his, you know, issues with the son and, you know, <laughs> you know there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of issues here. Family problems. This family is broken. The son is in rebellion. The father has lost control. It is scandalous, really. The son goes to a far country and loses everything. He is hopeless now. No friends, no money, no food. It is a picture of what sin really does in a person's life when he rejects the father's will. Sin always promises more than it gives takes you further than you wanted to go and leaves you worse off than you were before. Sin promises freedom, but brings slavery. You know, the, the world is calling you out there by name. The devil has set up the world system. He says, this is a better system. This is a better way than God's way. And you begin to chase after these things. And not all things are bad, right? Not things are all of sin. Chasing, you know, working hard, getting an education so you can have an amazing job and buying a nice car. Those are all good and it's in its right place. But the devil offers these things to sometimes drive you away from God. And he's good at that. And you chase it thinking, I have the world at my hand. That's what I thought at 26, you know I have the world at my hand. At that time, I had so much. I had 
the Corvette, this amazing job, huge house. I just had so much. And I go, I have the world. <laughs> you know, like the horrible guys that, you know, that, that you see in the movie theaters. Oh, I have the world, you know. The world had me. Man, and it had me by my tail, and it was dragging me down, and I was going, I was getting worse and worse and worse. You know, God promises life and life more abundantly on this earth, and I can testify of that. Because what I thought I had in the world was riches and fame and all that I wanted in life, but really what I was missing was happiness. Oh, yeah, it's attainable, right? Sin is pleasurable for a season. I could get my nice Corvette, man, and whoa, nice, this is awesome, and get my first ticket. Oh, wow, that wasn't so nice, you know? <laughs> Happiness is up and down, right? I was at Pastor Ross's house, and uh, he pulled out these bonbons for dessert, you know, and, and, and for my namesake, bonbon, there you go, bonbon, and he's uh, <laughs> And I don't even know where he got them because I, I thought they didn't exist anymore. I'm like, how long has that been in your freezer? You know? <laughs> he, so he put them on the table and I'm like, and you, can, you know I'm a sweet eater. I mean, I, you know. So I'm popping down those bonbons and I am happy. Oh yeah, the emotions, happy. Oh, and I get in the car and I'm like, oh honey, oh man, I'm hurting now, you know? So happiness is, you know, of the flesh, it's up and down and you can fulfill it with drugs, right? You can fulfill it with relationships, new toys, whatever it is, you can do that. But joy, joy is of the spirit and it can only be found in Christ and joy does not alter. Your circumstances, your situation doesn't alter joy. And you can have this contentment and satisfaction and you're like, oh, this is what life is all about. And it can only be found in Christ Jesus. Just want you to know the world is calling you by name and it always will. Don't listen to its lies. It brings, sin promises freedom, but brings slavery. Listen, this son is in dire strait. And then he has this, this well, look at verse 17. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he, gave up, so he got up and went to his father. You can imagine the people in the room now, the, 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 the Pharisees, you know. You know, this is, this is where all the people would chime in. Nothing for that son. How dare him even think he can go back to dad. The younger son has publicly insulted and shamed his father, took one third of the family's net worth and blew it all on wild living. Then he comes limping home, hoping dad will take him back and bail him out. If you were dad, what would you say? Oh my goodness. You made your bed. You lie in it, right? Have you heard that? I've heard a lot of stuff like this. You had your chance. You blew it. You wasted the resource that I worked for all my life, and now you want me to give you a job? You know? So many things that comes out of the mouth. But Jesus gives us a different picture of the Father. And this morning, I want to hang out there. Listen to what he says. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to the son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Oh my goodness. This dad wins best father ever award, huh? <laughs> Hands down, man. You know, this is amazing. So notice that these parables also show a seeker, right? The shepherd seeking the sheep, the woman seeking the coin. Here it is. The the father looking, always looking for that son, praying earnestly, waiting for that day. I wonder how often the father thought about this day. I wonder what he thought he was gonna say and didn't say, right? You know, and he looks and he's looking afar off and he sees his son coming and he does something so scandalous. Everybody's, uh, everybody's watching and he picks up his 
his skirt, it's a man's skirt, you know, I, I know, I, I've been in India, you know, my, my wife says, hey, hon, you gotta be culturally sensitive and you gotta wear what the men are wearing. I'm like, what are they wearing? He said, look outside. I'm not wearing that. <laughs> yeah, they, they wear all the, the, you know, the long lungis, you know, the long lungis and, you know, and then when they run, they pick it up and they, you know, they're running like that. I'm like, I'm not doing that, hon. And she goes, no, no, you gotta go, you gotta go wear one and you gotta take a picture. Show them that you're culturally sensitive, you know? And so I put it on, I come out with the guys and my wife, she's like, ta -ta -ta, taking pictures. Ta -ta -ta. I know what she's gonna do with that. She's gonna bribe me, you know? She's like, I'm gonna send it to all the Americans and if, unless you buy me something, no, you know? <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh my God. I said, I know. It's difficult to run in those things. You gotta pull them up. And then to do that in front of everybody, it shows that the father has set aside his pride. It's like, I don't care if he's wasted all the hard earnings that I work for. I don't care what the neighbors think. You know, I want you to know that you're hearing a lot of advice from the world, right? Oh, how dare you let your son do that? Why did you give him the car? Why did, you know, or your daughter, you know, you can work both into this situation. They, they, they want you to react differently than God would. And God is saying to us, I'm different. I wanna give you a different strategy. I wanna give you a different heart. I wanna work differently than the way the world works. And really, when I read this, it shames me. I wonder if I would run to my daughter. I think I would now because she has me wrapped around her finger, man. Heather says, you got to spank her. I go, I'm not spanking her. You spank her, you know? And I'm like, oh my goodness. Let me read this list off of things that we notice here. The father loves the son even when he rejected him and broke his heart, right? He rejected him. Dad, give me my inheritance. Wish that you were dead. I'm going. Broke the heart of the father. God, the father's heart is broken when we walk away or we've been wandering. Didn't bother the father. He still loved the son. The father loved his son even when the son was in rebellion, darkness, and sin, right? It's the most difficult thing every one of us will have to do is love our child when they're in rebellion when they're in sin, oh my goodness, I can't believe my child is doing this. Ah. Oh, what can I do? You need to love them. Most difficult thing ever. And I would never judge anybody in their walking shoes, never, ever. You know, you have to do what you have to do, but notice this, the father loved his son even when he was in rebellion, darkness, and sin. The father unconditionally forgives him unconditionally. There was, there, there was no strengths of, here's, okay, sign this document saying you will never do this. There was none of that. I love you unconditionally. No matter what you've done, no matter what you're gonna do or going to do, I'm gonna love you. Oh, man. The Father unconditionally forgives him. Father unconditionally loves him. The father loves his son as he brings him back. That alone, all these things that I described, altered this man's, this son's heart for sure. When I was young, I was about 18 years old. I had, um, I, I was in rebellion towards my dad here on earth, and um, and I and I had walked away. I'd walked away, and there was about a year and a half of wandering, uh, close to two years, and and I hadn't spoken to him, you know, I left because of, you know, just foolish reasons. Uh, anyways, we were, we were distant and I had uh, flown into town where he lived and I was walking uh, down the, one of the boulevards and I was looking through the window. I, was, I wanted to buy a car and I was looking at this Corvettes. I don't know why I thought I could afford one at that time. I was, you know, I was no longer under my dad, you know? And so I was looking in the, the window and, uh, you know, and, and I was looking at the Corvette and, and on, the, on the, the reflection of the window, I can see this beautiful car parked right, behind, right on the curb behind me. And I was like, oh, that's a nice car. And the window rolls down and it caught my attention. And I was like, huh? And then he says, 
and he said this in in the most tender voice. He said, mijo, which is son in Spanish. He's always called, he's always called me by my first name, Bon, you know, uh, never son. He was, my dad was an amazing man, businessman, just wealthy and, and just strong. And, and he, you rarely saw him let go of his, 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 his demeanor. I mean, he was just solid. And I always looked up to him. He was just an amazing guy. And, and, you know, and all of a sudden I heard, mijo, son, different, different words, you know. And I looked and he said, please come, come into the car. And so I opened the door and sat in. And then he just started to cry. For three minutes or so, he just, he just was crying. That alone wrecked me. It changed my life forever. Just seeing this great man of, of just this, 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 this statue of a man break down for me changed me. I never argued with him ever, 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 I never argued with him again. I always did what he said and I honored him from that point forward. It changed me from his actions. He just sat there and cried. Couldn't even get words out. And it radically changed me. And I said, Dad, I'm yours. I'm your son. And I will do whatever you ask. And how much more when God the Father came to me, not my dad here on earth, but God the Father who created all things came to me personally and did the very same thing. And that still has that reverb affecting sound in my soul still today. When I'm reading this, I'm almost ready to tear up and cry. And I want to fall on my knees and say, God, I surrender to you all over again. Because I was out in the world, chasing my dreams, never thought about religion, never thought about God, and he came and rescued me. And he brought me to himself and said, I love you. And I said, you don't know what I've done. He goes, I know everything. (laughs) And I love you still. And I gave my life and now I surrender it and this is where I'm at today because of that. Yeah, glory to God. Look at verse 21. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. The father has his own agenda. He acts if he doesn't even hear the son. (laughs) Verse 22, but the father said to his servant, quick, bring the best robe, put on him, put out a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. The dad dad has none of that. None of that. Come, put sandals on his feet. Put the ring that speaks of ownership, right? He's back with the family. The father didn't think of all the cultural issues, right? The the cultural ideas didn't get in the way of the father wanting to love his son. Uh, In front of his neighbors, he was willing to, to break down and cry and to have this deep compassion for his son. The father runs to the son. By the way, that that when I when I read the commentaries, it, it was clear. It was clear that the only time that God would run for someone or one run to or from someone was from a, to a sinner, right? Now, let me get that right again. Right? The only time God would run is to you and I, the lost. It's the only time that you find in the scriptures where he runs. He is the father in this story and he runs to you and he wants to wrap his arms around you This is a different picture than the God I knew of old. This is a God whose tender tender mercies are expressed through his action. I have come to seek and save the lost. Can you imagine the prostitutes, the the tax collectors, all the sinners in that room, after Jesus said this, celebrate, and they all like, yeah, and falling on their face. God, thank you. Thank you that you would come for me. I, I can't imagine, because when I read that, I, my heart is, oh, yeah, you know. 
amazing. The father didn't let his pride get in the way. My son has disgraced me. He didn't say that. He spent all the money we've earned now. No, the father showed great forgiveness towards the son. And he gives him all that he has. Amen. A commentator wrote this. This is a foolish love. He said, can you imagine what the neighbors would have said? Is he out of his mind? His son takes all the money, runs off and wastes it. And now he's throwing a party for him as if nothing ever happened. If that were my kid, it would be totally different. (laughs) Oh, foolish love. Thank you, Lord, that you would come and seek and save the lost. That's grace, grace. God unmerited favor towards us, amen? amen. This, this, this story, reading it today as a dad, right? Reading it as a dad and studying it for you guys has altered me. It has, it has broken me. That I pray that if something, God forbid, that something my daughter would do in her latter years, I know she's not gonna do it now, <laughs> that I would behave the way God the Father behaved towards me, right? I'm wrecked. I'm wrecked inside because I'm not there. In my mind, I'm very, no, no, I've grown up like this. This is how it will be. And this is what we'll do. And this is, you know, and God's saying, no, I'm altering you that you might behave in such a way, just not to your daughter, but to the lost. Amen. So I'm proud to be a missionary, to go and seek the lost because Jesus wanted that. And he illustrated that through these three parables. And I learned a great deal from the Father, his unconditional love. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. I don't know if you came because of your dad this morning, but if you hear God's voice speaking to you and it's time to get right with God and God has pierced your soul and come inside and says, hey, I want to hang out with you. I want to save you. And right now, God is just speaking to you to get right with him. I want to give you that opportunity to get right with him. If that's you and and you know that God is speaking to you and you've never given your life to Jesus or you want to give your life to Jesus, you want to rededicate then lift your hands that I might pray for you. Is there anyone that wants to give their life to Jesus or get right with God? Would you raise your hand that I might pray with you? The sinner's prayer and getting right, getting right with God. Anyone here this morning that God is speaking to that needs to get right? Our heavenly father just loves you. He wants to draw you to him. Anyone here, raise your hand if that's you this morning. Father, you're the great I am, Lord. You're God. You're the creator of all. And yet, you call us brothers and sisters. You call us your children. And we're so thankful. Lord, us dads are very strong and we don't like to speak of words of affection or kindness and generosity and these words Lord seem so far off our lips and yet you have them and you're trying to alter our lives that we can be like you and have that kind of love the love that changes the world we need you Lord and we need you we need your divine assistance. We need you, Holy Spirit, to work in our lives, to transform us, that we would have this kind of love for the world, the lost. I pray for these, your saints, these precious saints here this morning. Pray that you would strengthen them. I pray if there's any children that are wandering, sons or daughters, Lord, that you would bring them back to you and bring them back to that relationship with mom and dad. I pray that you would take the deep pains away. I pray you bring healing in the emotions and take away the pride. 
change the way that we act and think, especially when we see our children. Oh, Lord, pray for your effectual work in our lives. Lord, we glorify you and praise you and worship you. Thank you, Jesus. You're so kind to us. In Jesus' worthy name, amen. You've been listening to The Rocks Podcast. Our regular services are held on Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you'd like to learn more, please visit our website at cctherock.org.